Welcome to the Truth For Today podcast with your host, Joseph Franta, international minister, speaker, and Bible school instructor. Stay tuned for today's episode. Welcome to Truth For Today. And uh, we're back on our series on the dynamics of prayer. We've gone over the importance of prayer on two of the podcasts, and today, on the next two podcasts, we will be discussing and covering the power of prayer. Oh, how important this is to understand that prayer produces power in your life. We're not talking about necessarily, uh, you know, great sensational uh, works or miracles necessarily, but it will uh, bring those forth. But we're talking about the power to stand, the power to walk, the power to uh, resist the evil one and the power to enter in to God's throne room, uh, the grace and the power to enter in to God's presence and God's throne room. And as we get deeper into prayer, uh, then we're going to see the miraculous operate uh, through our prayers on a consistent basis. And there's different kinds of uh, there's individual prayer, there's corporate prayer, uh, there's intercessory prayer, there's the prayer of faith, there's the prayer of agreement, uh, there's the prayer uh, of just, you know, trust and commitment to God, dedication to God. There's different kinds of prayer. We're going to mention these as we go through the series. But today I want to get right into the power of prayer because in, in the, the book of Acts and in the book of Ephesians and other places, it really brings it out very clearly, the power of prayer. And let's start today in Acts chapter 4, the early church, uh, certainly they knew about the power of prayer. You know, they didn't, uh, they had the apostles and the prophets, and of course they had the Old Testament, and of course they had the life of Jesus uh, to draw from, but they didn't really yet have uh, the epistles. Uh, They were written, you know, a hundred years after the church was uh, born and, and, and started on the day of Pentecost. So they had to rely on prayer a lot. But uh, you're going to see as we go through this that prayer produced so much power in the early church with signs and wonders and miracles. And uh, they were uh, amazing. Deliverance was brought through prayer, Peter in the, in the jail and uh, and Paul uh, in the jail in, uh, in Philippi. So, you know, there's all these wonderful accounts of what p- prayer produced and uh, what it releases in the realm of the Spirit. And I just want to say this before we get into the Scripture. Prayer activates the power of God. It activates all the things of God, the presence of God, The gifts of the Spirit are activated through prayer. Guidance and direction come through prayer. And of course, the anointing of God to minister is increased and enlarged through prayer. And we can see that in Luke chapter 4 and many other places. Uh, In Acts 10, it says, You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. 
and how he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Notice there was a difference between the power of God and the anointing of God. They do go together. They're kind of twins, you would say. But in that verse, in Acts 10, 38, it says, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him. Remember he said on, in, in Luke chapter 4, uh, on the day of the inauguration of his ministry, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, restore recovery of sight to the blind, and to also preach the acceptable year of the Lord, which was the year of Jubilee when all things were restored and returned. But then it says, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So we see that for Jesus to operate in that powerful healing ministry that he had, uh, both the anointing and the power of God were at work. And we're going to see how both of those things, the anointing and the power of God, can be at work in our lives too. Because the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, for you all have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. In other words, you have understanding of the things of God. So today we're going to start here in Acts chapter 4. They were having a prayer meeting. They had run into some difficulties. And, you know, they were following Jesus' a direction from Luke 18 where Jesus said uh, that we should at all times pray and not to faint. And so they were having, you know, being arrested. They were being thrown in jail, uh, Peter and John, and uh, they were being brought before the Sanhedrin and uh, they were being, you know, flogged and everything else. There was a lot of problems going on, a lot of persecution. So they decided that when once uh, their prayers had released Peter, uh, John, and so forth, they decided to have a prayer meeting. And so I'm going to pick up here in Acts chapter 4, and uh, let's go to verse, uh, just a minute, my pages are sticking together here. Verse 23. And being let go, they had been in prison, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God. In other words, immediately they went into prayer. With one accord, there was great unity. And said, Lord, you are God who has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Verse 25 who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things or devise wicked things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. So there was a lot of conflict going on between the church and some of the rulers here. 
And this is how the early church dealt with that, is with corporate prayer. And it says, verse 27, for of a truth against your holy child Jesus, whom uh, you have anointed or have, had anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. So they had uh, persecution on a lot of different fronts here. Verse 28, for to do whatsoever your hand and your counsel determine or predetermined beforehand to be done. Nothing surprises God. He knew exactly what they were gonna be dealing with. He knew it, he knows the end from the beginning. So he knew what was going to happen as they began to preach the gospel publicly. Verse 28, for to do whatsoever thy hand and, the, and thy counsel predetermined to happen beforehand. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. They were being threatened. Oh, you know, shut up. Don't, don't speak the name of Jesus. Don't, uh, don't preach anymore, teach anymore in this name. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word. They needed boldness. And, you know, when you're coming up against opposition or resistance to uh, your ministry or the gospel of Jesus Christ, you need to be bold. The, the Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion, but the wicked flee when no one is pursuing. So that boldness comes through prayer. And so, verse 30, that with all boldness, we may speak your word by stretching forth thy hand, asking the Lord to stretch forth his hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done in the name of your holy child, Jesus. That was how they uh, combated and overcame the threatenings, the persecutions. Uh, in fact, they, they were very severe at times. Stephen was stoned to death. That's how severe they were. Peter was put in prison more than once. So was Paul and Silas and Timothy. I'm gonna back up to verse 29 again. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness we may speak your word by stretching forth thy hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name, the name of thy holy child Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. It's the name above all names. There's no name higher than the name of Jesus. It's above the name of all dominions and authorities and powers that are on this earth or above the earth. Verse 32, and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. So they had really wonderful unity. And if you wanna see your prayers answered, Unity is a very important part of that. If you're a, a married couple and you're in unity, your prayers 
will be answered with great power and also with great effectiveness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that anything that belonged to them was their own. But they had all things in common. Wow. In other words, their hearts were opened to generosity and giving and and charity. You know, the church is the biggest charitable organization on the face of the earth. Nobody outgives the church to help people over the years. I'm talking about centuries. Now, verse 33, this is where this is all leading. This describes what happened as a result of this prayer meeting in Acts chapter 4. Verse 33, and with great power gave the apostles testimony or witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. I believe that this is relevant for us today because prayer produces power and power produces grace and grace gets on everybody. God's ability to accomplish God's purpose and God's plan. Everybody's got a part in that plan. Everybody can function in the gifting that God has given them, the grace gifting, And together, we can accomplish the will of God on this earth. And this is a great verse that substantiates that. In verse 33, I'm going to read it again. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. And I want to just mention this. You know, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I wanted to Just drop something in you today. You know, so many times people say today, well, you know, there's no apostles anymore. There's certainly no prophets anymore. It's, It's just pastors and evangelists, and we have a few teachers. No, the Bible says that when Jesus rose up on high, he gave gifts to men, and he appointed some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. Now, if those two offices of the apostle and prophet have been done away, then Jesus Christ is not the same today as he was yesterday and forever. Something must have changed somewhere. Well, the grace of God hasn't changed. The power of God hasn't changed. Faith hasn't changed. Salvation hasn't changed, and I will say this, the ministry offices in the church have not changed either. There are still apostles, messengers, special messengers, sent ones. There are still prophets, inspired preachers and teachers of the word that bring direct revelation from God. There certainly are evangelists. We've got a lot of those. Thank God, maybe not enough. And then there's certainly pastors and teachers. But we need to understand that the scriptures stand today and that God hasn't changed anything. 
as far as the way he has set up the government of his church. And so I don't want to, you know, stay on this long because I'm talking on the subject of the power of prayer, but I want to mention it because we need all the offices functioning in the church today and we need the whole church united in one mind and in one spirit to get done what God wants to get done on this earth. And so I'm going to go flip back over to Ephesians chapter 3. And Ephesians, you know, if you, if you just live in this book, Ephesians, I'm not saying, you know, don't read any other books. They're all great. I'm all over the Bible all the time. But I'm telling you, the book of Ephesians, I live in. In other words, I, I spent a lot of time in that book. And I, if you've looked at some of them or would see some of my other Bibles, it's, it's totally worn, worn out. I have to buy a new Bible about every couple of years. Why is that book so important? Because it gives us the revelation of the church, the body of Christ, of our identity, our identification in Christ, who we are in Christ, and who he is in us. It gives you a revelation of the government of God. It gives you a revelation of walking in the spirit and walking by faith and walking in love. And it also gives you a revelation of spiritual warfare and how to stand and resist the enemy when he comes so that you can walk as an overcomer in the victory that Christ has purchased for you through his death, burial, and resurrection. It's so important. And it's all in one book. And, you know, sometimes people don't have a lot of time to study the Bible. I understand people are busy. But I'm telling you, if you'll just give some priority to that book, you will begin to walk in new places with new graces, in new heights, and new understanding and revelation and knowledge of who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you. So we're going to pick up here now in Ephesians chapter 3. And uh, I'm just going to turn to a prayer that Paul prayed. There's some tremendously anointed prayers in this book in Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 3. And I'm going to pick up on Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. In verse 14, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the great apostle who turned the world upside down. A man who had a really significant ministry, yet he's humble. And he's bowing the knee before God in prayer. And I think if there were a few more knees bowed in prayer, we'd get a lot more done in the body of Christ. I'm not making a doctrine out of it, but I'm just saying, when we honor God, he honors us. There's a scripture like that in Samuel. He who honors me, I will honor. I believe it's uh, 1 Samuel 2.30. He who honors me, 
I will honor. So it's really a healthy and wonderful thing to have the privilege of honoring the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. For this reason, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we could have that kind of meeting in churches where people would get out of their seats, get out of the pews, come to the front and bow their knees before God and cry out to God and give thanks to God and worship and praise God? Oh, that would bring a lot of life to the church. Of whom the whole family in heaven and in earth is named. So, you know, part of the church has already gone before us. They're with the Lord, and the other part of the church is down here on the earth. That's us. Finishing up the work that the early church started. We're the finishers. Verse 16. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Whoa. I love to understand, talk about, and Meditate on the riches of his glory. Jesus said in John 17, Father, the glory which you have given to me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. And in Ephesians chapter 5, it talks about the glorious church without any spot or wrinkle or blemish. That's us. You think, well, my church is not that way. But it can be that way if you learn how to pray. God can clean up everything, sanctify everything, purify everything, purge everything, and bring you into a place of his glory that you've never walked before. Oh, I'm getting excited now. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Uh, other translation says strengthened with power. Power and might are synonymous, really, in the Greek in most places. To be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That means you strengthening your inner man, your spirit man with God's might or God's power or God's grace. They're all synonymous. Grace equals power. Grace is God's ability. And it equals his power working through your life and your weakness to accomplish his purpose. That's why Paul said, when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. And God told Paul in the midst of one of, in the midst of, one of his worst trials and tests, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in your weakness. Did you see that? My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in your weakness. He starts out talking about grace. He ends up talking about power. Grace equals power. Oh, I'm, I, I tell you, I, I love it. I just love this that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. There's the outer man and there's the inner man. Paul said the outer man is decaying, but the inner man is being renewed day by day. 
for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. God wants us to have our minds on eternal things. It says in Colossians chapter three, verse one, if therefore you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died spiritually and you're, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. That doesn't sound like a dull, dead, lifeless Christian walk. That sounds like a powerful, dynamic life in Christ. If therefore you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. We're headed for the glory. It says when God raised Christ from the dead, it says he was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father. Romans 6, 4, and 5. He raised Christ from the dead by his own glory. And that glory is available to every Christian because the Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives in us. We're a temple of God. We're a temple of the Holy Spirit. And one of the names of the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of glory. Another is the Spirit of life. Another is the Spirit of truth. Another is the Spirit of holiness. Another is the spirit of the fear of the Lord. In other words, reverence towards God. And another, still another, is the spirit of grace. Those all are contained in the New Testament. Functions, titles, describing the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to get to know the Holy Spirit the helper, the comforter, the strengthener, the standby, the intercessor. He'll change your life forever. You'll never be the same once you learn how to yield to the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and be led and controlled or guided by the Holy Spirit. Oh, I feel the Spirit of God all over me today presence of God is here with me as I'm teaching and I, I tell you, he loves, he loves you. He loves his church. He loves every single member of the body of Christ. He wants to do great and mighty things with your life. The Bible says in Jeremiah, call to me, that's prayer, 
Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. There it is, the power of God. Great and mighty things that you do not know. Prayer is the vehicle that will take you where you need to go, where God wants to bring you into the life, into the ministry, whatever it is. It could be business. It could be medicine. It could be education. It could be science. Or it could be that you're called to be a minister to the body of Christ. Whatever you're called to do, God, he wants to bring you into it, and the one who will bring you into it is the Holy Spirit. He'll lead you and guide you. The Bible says all those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit. The Spirit of God on the inside of you bears witness with your, your spirit, your inner man. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs, heirs also, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. You know, that's pretty special to be a child of God, to be an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. It says in Ephesians 1.11, in him, we have an inheritance. Do you know that you have an inheritance in Christ? Well, we're going to continue this on our next podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I want you to know that God loves you with an everlasting love. And uh, he's never going to leave you or forsake you. Until next time. Have a great and blessed day. Bye-bye.